Hi, I'm Michael, and welcome to the first episode of Product Confidential. I'm here with uh, Evie Brockwell, who uh, we're going to be co-hosting this together. Um, and we'll just kick off by giving some like really high-level intros to who we are, where we work, our background. So, Evie, do you want to come in and say hi? Yeah, I will. Um, it's really good to be here. It's really good to join you, Michael. Um, great idea that we should start this podcast. I'm excited to speak to a bunch of people over the next few weeks. Um, a quick intro about myself. So I'm Evie. I previously worked at Booking.com. That's where I learned all of my product craft. And a couple of years ago, I made the decision to go independent and I've started my own business operating as a product consultant and a product coach. So now I get to spend all of my time helping a bunch of different clients across a bunch of different countries to implement best product practices and do products as well as possible. So really exciting space to be in. Um, and it's nice to be able to speak to some more people about how to do product well. That sounds really cool. I'm sure loads of people will be looking forward to hearing more about that as well. Um, for myself, I'm a senior product manager at uh, the BBC. Although I've only been in the job for about four weeks. Um, prior to that, I was in uh, working in government um, that was my first job in product. So I've been in product for just coming up to three years in total uh, with a background in marketing. So I didn't actually get into product until I was in my early 30s. So a bit of a career change. So that's, again, something we can dig into. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about ourselves and introduce, um, yeah, introduce ourselves in a bit more detail. But we thought it'd be a good thing to start off by just explaining like why we wanted to set this podcast up. So Evie, yeah, what, what was your thinking behind getting this off the ground yeah so I've listened to a lot of product podcasts over the last few years especially I've, I've started doing my own thing and I use them to build my product craft and there's a load of experts out there that can talk about amazing frameworks and how to do products really really well but it was really difficult to find something that really touched on the difficulties in the day-to-day -day of being a product manager and how to overcome some of those obstacles um so yeah there's a bit of a gap from my point of view that we're able to fill by having these conversations with people about what the reality is actually like um, because we've all been through our own challenges our own experiences but we've all learned a lot from that so hopefully that's something we can share and have some really interesting conversations on what about yeah, you no same thing so I've been new to product um, I've just always been trying to learn probably like trying to fight the imposter syndrome um, but I, I get the sense that everyone in product is always trying to learn as well um, you know no one's ever the complete article so I've really liked that about this tribe of people. Everyone seems to be trying to improve their craft. So uh, like others, I listen and read a lot of product stuff. Um, I'm a big fan of loads of podcasts like the Product Experience and Lenny's podcast. And those shows are brilliant and I've learned a lot from them. Um, but sometimes you kind of get the feel that they're like the product superstars uh, and they know everything and it's a bit intimidating. Um, but when I go to things like Product Tank or um, I've been really fortunate to work in places, I've got community of practices where all the different product managers come together and basically moan <laughs> is what happens a lot of the time. Um, I found that really reassuring that people have the same problems I have and sharing tips and ideas. And what we wanted uh, when me and Evie have been talking is for this podcast to have that feel. Uh, so it's just People who are like boots on the ground, product managers coming together, sharing tips, sharing more stories and trying to demystify product management a little bit, I'd say, and try and make it not that intimidating and scary. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the imposter syndrome is very real where we all know that like we all want to be better and we know we could be doing better. So it's great to like have all of those insights, but working out how we actually bring that to life is super important. So, yeah. 
and yeah sometimes we all need a little rant so maybe it'll be a bit of that as well yeah cool well we hope that that sounds good to you um we've got some really exciting guests who have uh, said that they'll come along and chat to us uh, we'll talk about those guests a little bit more at the end of the show but what we wanted to do for this episode was to introduce the concept which we've done and then do a little bit of a deep dive into each other and so you can get to know us a bit more so we've got some questions that we're going to go through now so starting off Evie how did you get into product um yeah I've been in product for pretty much most of my career so I'm not not quite as new to it but I also sometimes feel like I don't have enough experience especially as a consultant people want like 10 years plus and I'm like I can't do that um but I started my career at TUI and I ended up finding that job because I was trying to find my placement year and I had a careers coach at uni and she basically said to me I was like I don't know what I want to do I was freaking out I felt like I was what 19 and somehow felt like I needed to have my whole life figured out and know exactly what I wanted to do for the rest of time and she's like honestly don't worry about it just what do you like and I was the only thing that I could come up with was travel and beer so basically all of the schemes that I applied for were in travel the travel industry or in the beverage industry and yeah I got the placement scheme at TUI and then from there I went onto the grad scheme which was great because we trialed out different roles for three months at a time and basically from that one of the first places I worked in was the product department and I kind of just got told that tech was good money and I liked the change I liked the pace I liked the fact people were always doing something new and took a product role from there and I've been in product ever since and it's been a perfect fit for me but I think I found that perfect fit by following what I like all of the time so it sounds quite basic from my side but actually I think if you follow that intuition and follow the things that you like you find some opportunities that fit you. So it sounds like Tui's gain was Heineken's loss there with the two options that you had in front of you. Um, what I found really interesting about what you were saying then was, you know, you've been in product since you were 19. And yet when you go for roles, there's still roles that say, oh, you need more experience than you have. And you can't really have much more experience than you have, which just shows how crazy it can sometimes be in this industry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, my recommendation there is always that I've applied for roles when I've had less experience. And yes, there's some companies that will throw you aside at that point. But I think it's just a catch all because there's so many applications. Whereas if you can prove you've got that experience and you've really done the stuff that people want to see, you still hopefully end up in a good place anyway. Do you think that's true? Do you think there are lots of applications for product roles? I sometimes get the sense that they don't get many applicants. I honestly think it depends on the company and the industry. I think there's some where people really are fighting to get good product people in. And then there's other spaces where, like, for example, you'll see it all the time in terms of Google, Amazon, and those big hitters that get loads that aren't necessarily qualified. So, yeah, it's probably a mix. Yeah. Well, my story into product is quite different. So... I didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished university. I, I always thought I'd be a teacher. And then I finished university and I tried it and I hated it straight away. I thought, wow, I don't know what to do with my life. Um, and then I was just looking at, I went to a careers fair and I thought, digital marketing sounds like something I could do. I thought digital, it's, it's always going to be on the up. So, and also you didn't need a degree to get into it because loads of it you could just learn on YouTube. So I started basically blogging and, and learning stuff about Facebook marketing and ended up getting a job at an agency 
And then that's what I did for the next like eight years, working in different agencies. Um, ended up <clears throat> becoming head of product at an agency in Manchester. Uh, then after a while doing that, I joined uh, a trade body called Manchester Digital, uh, and I was the the sole digital marketing manager there. So gone from managing teams to just being like a one man band doing everything, setting up events on on Eventbrite, promoting that event, doing the write up for that event putting jobs on the jobs board, all kinds. And um, a lot of the members that we had um, were agile companies or companies going through digital transformation and the talks would be around that. So I'd be sat there doing Facebook Live, listening to all these people thinking, what they're doing sounds a lot more fun and probably a lot better paid than what I'm doing. So I want to be on the other side of that. And um, I always tell this story. Um, One of my jobs, as I mentioned, was putting jobs on the jobs board. And around this time, I thought like, well, if I want to get in an agile team, how can I do that? And I started studying the roles and I thought well, product management um, seems to be something I could do. I didn't have a technical background, but I could do stakeholder management. I could um, put a slide deck together and that seemed to be a large part of the job, like influencing people. And so I started trying to get as much experience there as I could and transition into that role. I thought I was going to have to take a bit of time out maybe and, and, and retrain, but I just went on loads of online courses. I started going to meetups and meeting other people, started reading blogs, starting to listen to podcasts. And then as luck would have it, um, the Department for Education were actually recruiting associate product managers. So if you're not familiar with that is, that's like a trainee who uh, you spend time around different departments in the business. And I just thought, wow, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, so I didn't put that job on the jobs board at Manchester Digital. I kept that one for myself. And I was really fortunate that I um, I applied, maybe because I was one of the few candidates, because I, I, I did sneakily hold that back. And That's why um, the new applications. Yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's snakes in the grass like me. Um, but yeah, I haven't looked back since then, really. I've just absolutely loved it. I've really felt like I fell on my feet and found something that I love doing. Because I didn't, I never really loved marketing. I just did it and it was always a job. But with this, like, I'm really fortunate that I do look forward to a Monday. And that's like a really new experience for me. Um, Don't get me wrong, I prefer Sundays, but like (laughs) when Monday comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's what's so nice is that you've had this career path where you've gone, okay, I've tried this thing. It's not for me. Okay, I want to try this next. And each time you've refined a little bit more and more what you like. And then when you've gone, okay, this is something I think I want to do you've taken that path where you've gone all right how can I prove this evidence in this space to show that I can do these things to then get this next role so um yeah it's a very not even a different approach but it's just really nice to see that you can still go on that journey and there's all these different ways into it Uh, I'm sure this is something that we'll touch on lots of times in the podcast asking people's roles um people's journeys into the into the industry because there are so many just in my short time I've heard of people coming from all kinds of backgrounds so that'll be really good to dig into and again like a big part of this is demystifying it because sometimes when you hear all these like elite product managers you think oh I could never do that but you definitely definitely can Um, and that's something that hopefully we'll get across Um, okay so next question when you're not in work Evie what do you get up to um yeah I mean like that's an easy one for me in some ways because I've been a digital nomad for the last 18 months slash two years so yeah my days off look like going to the beach surfing hiking mountains basically all of the fun stuff people think I'm on holiday all of the time which isn't true like I do do a lot of work but it's just nice that when I finish work I can be in these different environments 
Um, yeah, I don't really have that much that's exciting to say about the UK. So whilst I'm here for the summer, I'm basically going to weddings and birthday parties, which is all very good fun as well. Um, but yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen Evie's LinkedIn account, it's probably the most glamorous LinkedIn account you'll ever see. I always get very jealous of it and question my life choices because it looks brilliant. Um, but yeah, having said that though, um, my life choices are pretty cool. I, uh, in terms of when I'm not in work, I like I like running, I like playing guitar, I like hanging out with my wife, and uh, we've got a we've got a little baby girl who's six months old, and we like that so much that we're going to have another baby girl coming in a, in six months time which is exciting but also terrifying so um yeah I think that's a really good thing about product management that I've found is contrary to what you hear it's allowed me to have a really good work-life balance and you'll read a lot of things about yeah product manager having a crazy work-life balance and doing all kinds but that's just not been the experience that I've had maybe it can be if you don't protect yourself but I think I've been really fortunate to work in organizations that uh, encourage you to look after yourself and again I think that's something that um, will come up quite a few times during the course of this podcast series yeah I'm just thinking once your second baby comes you're probably going to have a lot less time for the the other activities like playing your guitar <laughs> yeah I think so I definitely think so um, okay so going back we've got these set list of questions um, the next one um, what what do you think is the best thing about being a product manager for me, it's the pace of change. I like the fact that nothing's ever the same. And it's like you say, there's a whole group of people that want to better themselves and progress what they do as a craft and a career. So I think we're always in this zone of knowing that there's improvements that we can make, whether that's to the ways that we work, whether that's to the products that we're working on. And for me, that's really rewarding. I um, did a BAU role for a year and I was like, oh, I can't be the person that turns up to work and does the same thing week on week. I need that change. I need that drive. I need to be able to see that tangible output of that thing that you can deliver at the end of a sprint or however you define it, where you say, yeah, we've done this. We've had this impact. We know we've made this change. Um, and you're constantly focusing on like, who are our customers? How do we solve these problems? So a few different things, but it all comes into combination of saying that, it's that excitement behind the drive of everything that we get to do. Mm. What about um, you? For me, I think um, I naturally enjoy problem solving. I'm not always great at it, but I, I enjoy it. And I very much enjoy working with people. And I find that I like being in the middle of things uh, and, and bringing people together. And quite often, I'm not the one with a good idea. I'm not the one who will solve the problem. But I seem to be okay at helping the people who can solve the problem get together and, and understand what the right problem is to solve. So I think it really plays to my skills. And I also like combining that with the fact that um, if you get things right and you do solve a problem, then the work that your team can do can actually improve people's lives a bit and take away some pain points that they might be having. And yeah, doing that and getting it right is a real thrill, I, I find. Yeah, and I think that's super important, the point that you made about the fact that you don't always have the ideas, but you bring the right people together. Because I think that's a product manager myth that a lot of us I know started out with, where we felt like we had to be the ones that had the solutions and the answers all the time. But actually the power and the beauty in being a product manager is that you get the right people together and bring out the best in them and bring their skills to life so that you do these things well. So nice. That's really taken me back when you said that, actually, because I remember when I first started, 
I'd go into every call. I started during the pandemic, by the way, which is something that I want to talk about in the future. But so I went into every single team's call thinking, how am I going to know all the right answers to all these questions that people are going to ask me? Like, how on earth am I going to do that? I don't even have a technical background. Because that's what I think I went in with, that like that was what I'd have to do, be some kind of like know-it-all super brain. Um, but as I've got more experienced and more comfortable in the role, I'm actually really comfortable about not knowing what's going on because a lot of the time you, I, I see the role as being the person who doesn't understand what's happening, trying to ask the right questions to get a shared understanding to then solve the problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of us are there. I mean, I know there's some product managers that are specialists in certain things, but a lot of us are generalists and we're basically there to ask those questions and make sure that we've got everything moving in the right direction, filling mm. in the gaps. Mm. And also it's amazing how even people who you assume know what's being talked about, you realise when you ask the question that there was probably four other people on that call who didn't understand it as well and are yeah. grateful that you did ask. Um. Cool. Okay, flipping that on its head then. Um, what what do you think are the worst things about the role? It's the point you touched on earlier for me about the work life balance. Um, that's the thing that I think I struggled with the most when I started. I felt like I needed to do everything and be the superhero and have all of the answers and be able to always deliver amazing value and solve all of the customer problems and do basically everything. And I honestly spent a lot of my career feeling in that way. And then it got to the point where I was like, wait, this is too much. And I, st- I not like I stopped enjoying the job, but I was just starting to get burnt out on more than one occasion. Um, and I think even though it's not something that has to be true, I think it's a trap that I've seen more people fall into in product than I have in a lot of other careers. Um, and I don't know why, well, I feel like I do know why, because we're always at pace, we're always changing, we're always trying to drive things forwards. And we're often like that as people, as our nature. But then it's exactly what you said. As soon as you learn to set those boundaries and you learn to work out where you're delivering the most impact and where you can delegate and not take everything on yourself, once you learn that, it's a total tipping point in the product management career, as far as I'm concerned, where you can then actually go and it's fulfilling and you can do things in the right way and enjoy it. So definitely a journey and I wouldn't say that I feel that way anymore but I'd say that that's something that I definitely struggled with and I've seen it in a lot of other people too. Uh, I've got two questions on that then so first one you're a product consultant and I imagine that lots of people who come to you seeking help are are having that problem that you've described like would you say that's a common trait in, in the people who you work with? Yeah it's definitely a common trait Um, whether people are the sole product person in a small organization or they're in a big organization, they're usually trying to do everything. Um, So a lot of the things that we work through are those things around how do you set boundaries? How do you go through your work list for the month and say, okay, what's the most important things that I need to do here? And where do I actually add the value? And how do you take a step sometimes out of the team and empower the team to do things themselves by giving them the right information so you don't always have to be on hand to answer everyone's questions you can turn your slack off for three hours and get all the things done and that's going to be okay um so yeah there's a whole range of things that people usually struggle with on that scale but it's something that comes up a lot and for you on a personal level what was the turning point when you thought i need to change and how did you learn to do things in a better way 
Um, there were kind of two for me. So I broke my hip in 2019, which was pretty major. It was before we all worked from home and I couldn't easily make it into the office. I tried once to get up through Manchester City Centre on my crutches and I'm like, I can't do this. This is hard. Um, so I ended up working from home quite a bit more. So therefore I had, I was forced to change. I was forced to try and delegate things and take a step back. And that was really powerful. But then I got a promotion, I became a senior product manager, and I took on more responsibility, more teams, more problems to solve, and ended up hitting that kind of point again during the pandemic when we had, from my point of view, I don't have a family, I don't have children, so I had nothing to do but work. So I ended up filling all of my time that way until I hit a point of pretty much burnout when I was like, right, okay, I just need to take two days offline where I actually just figure all of my life out and once I did that and put the right, right boundaries in place then it got better so unfortunately for me it's always been like to the point where I'm pushed so far that I then need to make a change as opposed to spotting it in advance but that's why I like to help people with it now. Yeah hopefully uh, top tip is you don't need to break a hip uh, in order to slow down. You can you're the expert on this though you've nailed it from the start so any feedback or advice you have in that space I think would be welcome. Mm. Um, I think maybe because I was a bit older, I think helped me coming into it because all that anxiety I probably had when I was in my marketing career. And I was just, as I said, I was in my early 30s when I made the transition. And maybe just a lot of it is people management. And I'd kind of learned to set boundaries at the back end of my career marketing. So that like transferred across. So I don't know. Maybe that just comes with a bit of experience and getting more confidence in, in the workplace. That being said, I've seen uh, lots of young people who have so much uh, inner confidence that I wish I'd had at that age. So maybe it's more of a personal thing than an age thing. I don't know. No, it makes sense though. Um, okay. What um, what would you say is the best piece of product advice you've ever received? So I wouldn't say that this is specifically product advice, but I apply it to product all of the time. Um, I had a mentor when I first started in product. And one of the things that I struggled with in a way was that I was working with another product owner and they were so good. They were in the detail. They were on top of everything, like solving all of the bugs, Jira tickets, issues, getting everything sorted. And I was like, oh, I just don't, I don't like that. That's not me. That's not where I operate. But I felt like I had to. And this guy was like, no, play to your strengths. Like if you're more strategic, big picture thinking, trying to solve the problem and you're less delivery focused, that's fine. And I think this is really applicable to products because product could be so varied. So overall, from a product advice point of view, I'd say it's more around finding your strengths and finding ways to play to that and making sure you can have other people that play to the other areas where you might not thrive off it as much. I think that's really interesting. And also you can flip that on its head though, because the product manager's role varies so much. I think sometimes organizations have an idea of what a product manager means to them like they might have had someone who was all in the detail and then they recruit someone else who was more strategic thinking and they're thinking well that's not a product manager mm -hmm. um but it is it's just not uh, the type that they've had before so that's that's something that I think we have to contend with in this industry like uh the role not being very defined from company to company or even like within departments in the same organization sometimes yeah have you found a way that you've been able to navigate anything like that well? Um, I think I think what you said, it's just like, I can't really change what my strengths are. 
So I might be able to lean into some things that I'm not great at and, you know, try and have a growth mindset and try and learn some of those things. But ultimately, I know the things that I'm good at and I try and stay in that area. And you touched on it before, but like learning to delegate uh, the things that you're not good at. Because uh, so on a personal level, not I, I really try to be, but I'm just not the most organized of people. Like keeping a backlog up to date and everything like perfect, not my style whatsoever. I, I very rarely know what's top of the backlog and, and what should be. Um, I know what like we should be doing next quarter. I know, um, you know what the vision is and what we're trying to achieve and what we need to do to get there. But on the day to day, I'm not the best. But what I try to tend to do is make sure that there's people in my team who are good at that and enjoy that and 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 try and encourage them to to do some of that not like just palm it off I make sure that I'm involved but where you have weaknesses uh lean into other people who are strong in those areas no and this is what I love about this podcast and this kind of chat as well is like so many product managers would be like what do you mean you're not on top of the backlog that's like number one on the list of job specs and you're like no it doesn't have to be that way like that's cool (laughs) well I think like I found that early on when I didn't actually know what was going on in product and there's all this thing about the backlog the backlog and I got there and I looked at it and you start asking people about this huge list of tickets and people didn't know what half of them were or like oh that was a thing that we were doing and it's like so has anyone ever done anything on this like no 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 like well should we just delete it and everyone was like oh can we and I think like the one of the best things you can do is you burn the backlog. <laughs> I couldn't agree more on anything that's ever been said. I say yeah. this to people all the time and I did it once. I was literally like, right, we're starting a new project, just delete everything. Obviously, there was a bunch of uproar from stakeholders like, well, what about this on my ticket? We were only lying to people. We were never going to do it anyway. So it's mm-hmm. like, don't mm-hmm. waste that time nitpicking across this list of 100 plus items just like you're saying, know the priorities for the next quarter and start afresh from there. I don't think there's ever been better product advice, but for some reason it's like totally like, no, you can't do that. That's funny. Yeah, I wonder how many people have been horrified by that and how many people listening will be like, yeah, totally. And how many people are going to burn the backlogs uh, next chance they get? We'd love to hear that. ever have success metrics for this podcast, the amount of mine's top one is how many people burn a product backlog. Yeah, no, that's good. I think I think for myself, the best piece of product advice I've been given, um, as I said, when I was at DFE, I was really, really fortunate. Um, the way they did it was was brilliant. Uh, you you went into a team, you were shadowed a product manager, you'd be there for like maybe two, three months, it varied, and then they'd move you on to a completely different team and you'd shadow a different product manager. And uh, I had the chance to work with some really great people doing that and, and learn a lot. But um, one of the product managers who was working with uh, spent a lot of time like working with me and, and and trying to develop me. And he said the best piece of advice he'd ever been given was uh, be the person at the front with the piece of paper in your hand that has the plan. And I thought, I don't know what he is talking about. Um, and then he went on to say that like a large part of what the role is, is these projects are often complex and no one quite knows what's going on. But if you can be the person with just enough information to like tell the narrative, and that doesn't mean to say that you have to have the right answer. Like quite often, if you just say, here's what we're thinking of doing and here's the reasons why, 
What do you think about that? You've opened up the door to let your stakeholders come in and, and give their opinions. And by giving their opinions, that then changes and develops your narrative. So I now think that's the that's the that's my go-to really. It's I try and get in, see where I think there's a story that I can tell to other people to bring them in, and then keep on evolving that story as you get more information. But I think if you don't take that lead and go out on a limb and say, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm presenting to you, then no one starts knowing what's going on. People start getting worried because they don't know what it is. And then you get people putting pressure on you saying, what's happening with this? What's happening with this? But if you're on the front foot, over-communicating, even communicating things that might be wrong and finding out they're wrong through that process, um, it just seems to make things a lot easier. And that, that piece of advice has stood me in good stead. No, and I love that attitude. I think people often see product as this thing that we need to protect and it's sometimes us versus them. And it's all these people that operate outside versus, look, we're leading the direction of this because we have the information overall as to what needs to be done. How can we bring you all on this journey with us so that we do this as well as possible? And once you adopt that kind of mindset and if you're that person that can lead that forwards, I feel like that's a super positive place to be. Yeah, definitely. And I think not... In general, I'm a big fan of sharing something incomplete as early as possible. Um, I mean, that's that's agile in itself, isn't it? Like, just go out with your idea or your thoughts down on, on a document. Because otherwise, you can spend all this time polishing something up and the first person you put it in front of, they just go, oh, no, that's not right because of this. And you go, ugh. But if you just go out and say, I'm thinking this might be a thing, they can either feed in and go, yeah, that's brilliant. Or go, oh, no, it's not. And here's why. And you've not wasted like half a day, you know, making like this dream slide deck about a concept that's flawed. No, totally agree. Cool. OK, let's do one more question and then maybe uh, we, we should start thinking about wrapping up. So um, what's your top product tip then? Never mind the advice you've been given. Honestly, I have so many that I like. I could talk forever, but I'll try and distill it to one. Um, yeah, my top product tip is to basically be able to go out there and not necessarily have all of the answers, but be able to try and source the right information and ask the right questions. And from that point of view, I think it's a case of a lot of people come up with ideas and they come up with things that could be great. But you need to be the one that goes, right, okay, what's actually going on here? Whether that's a customer problem or whether that's ways of working, if you can take all of the information and figure out what the root cause of any of those things is and what problem you're actually trying to solve, then you're going to have far more success than you are just trying to build gaps all of the time or just solve small problems. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's taking that step back, taking on board everything that you know, and just trying to distill it right back to the original reason as to why something might be happening. That's so true. And would you say that that was something that you were naturally good at or being able to do that? Was that a, were these skills that you had to develop? I'd say that it's always been a natural strength of mine. I think the difficulty lies in being able to put yourself in a place where you can look at something from a higher viewpoint because we're so often involved in all of the day-to-day -day and all of the small things that it can be hard to take all of those bits and take a step back and look at what's really going on. And I was fortunate enough to be in some teams where we were allowed to do that in terms of product problems and we were allowed to do that in terms of ways of working. And by doing that and exercising that, I realised how important it was because you get way better results at the end of it. Um, so yeah, it's carving that space out for yourself. 
Yeah, and not just the space, but like the actual time, because to be able to do that requires you to have a bit of breathing space, like a day, a half day where you don't have any calls and you're actually just doing some thinking. Because I find otherwise, if you don't make sure that that time's in your diary, it's very easy to just be like on the next call, on the next call, on the next call. And that's great. But what what, what are your outputs that week? And how are you going to communicate to lots of other people what the direction should be if you're just constantly in a load of calls exactly. and off them? And this is why it's so important in terms of the boundaries and the things that I did for that was calming out that time, telling people I'd be off Slack, 100% setting it as a boundary and not letting anyone mess with it and setting a goal at the start of the week to say, what's the most impactful thing that I can achieve this week? And that was my main goal to get done as you would have with sprint goals, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not, always easy but once you start doing it you realize the value and it makes everything else easier did that make you feel uncomfortable when you first started doing that yeah I absolutely hated it I um felt like I needed to apologize to everyone for it as well it's like you're being selfish with your time because you're not available for these calls or these other bits Mm. Um, but I think as with everything it's practice and once you start doing it for a while it gets easier and easier so I, I kind of fell fell on that by accident at first I was working nine five and I was coming in starting my day at the same time as everyone else and just thinking how am I ever going to do the things I need to do on top of being in all these calls because I I was finding I was never present because I was in a call with someone or in a group call and on the side I was trying to like secretly do the work that I wanted to be doing but I couldn't because I was in the call so I wasn't doing a very good job at the work I was trying to multitask and do. And I also wasn't present for the person I was talking to or the meeting I was in. So it was just the worst of both worlds. But then um, I was fortunate that um, the employer I was with then and now uh, allowed flexi time. So I just shifted everything to the left. And it was also my life allowed me to start earlier. So I started working half seven till half three or sometimes eight, four. And just having that two hours before the rest of the team got in to like, do all the things I wanted to do meant that I felt like I kind of like right I've done my job before yeah. the rest of the team have got there and then the rest of the day I could just actually be in calls and and be okay with that because I've kind of felt like I'd achieved what I wanted to achieve early on um but that's just what worked for me there's just you know there's I'm sure there's loads of different ways of carving out and protecting time that we'll dig into um but cool okay let's think about wrapping up then um what have we got coming up then, Evie, that people can look forward to? I know we've we've been speaking to a few uh, potential guests. Have you got anyone that you want to tell people about? Yeah, we um, want to get a variety of people on that have got different product experiences. So got a load of people that are interested, which is great. Um, but yeah, first one that I um, reached out to is Nick Gemetta. So Nick used to be a head of product. He's worked his career up to that point. And he now is also a product consultant and he focuses a lot on mental health because that was something that massively impacted him when he was in the product role. Um, so, yeah, it'd be great to have him on and talk about those kind of experiences in a bit more detail. That Hope sounds great tips. Yeah, that sounds really good. And someone I've been speaking to is Adil Hussein, who uh, started as an associate product manager uh, at the same time as I did. And he's gone on to do like really, really great things, including setting up his own product course and uh, encouraging people from non-traditional tech backgrounds into the industry, um, which would be great to hear about. But I'm just also looking forward to catching up with him again because he's he's a good egg. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think we can leave it there then. Thank you for everyone who's listening to our first episode. Um, if you have any questions or things that you'd like us to cover in the future, or you think you'd, you'd be uh, a good candidate to come on and, and chat with us, uh, yeah, let us know on, on social media and we'd be glad to hear from you. But thanks a lot for listening and we'll catch you next time.